Welcome to a football show, Monday edition here, of course, on 440 Sports. His name is Zach Lyons, my name is Braden Gall, and we are here with lots to discuss today. Brought to you by the Kingston Group, of course, buildkg.com. Zach, how are you, sir? Good to see you. Doing great. I just found out that Larry June's coming to Marathon on June 1st, so there I'm you in. Uh, is that music? Is that music yeah, or comedy? That is music. <laughs> I like it. Uh, Neil Brennan coming to Zanies. I'm going to that for sure. Dave Chappelle, show writer, uh, and uh, his new Netflix special is fantastic. But this is not a show about comedians and music. It is a show about football. That's right. Brought to you by the Kingston Group, buildkg.com. Of course, we've got lots of stuff to discuss today. There's still more Lamar Jackson news floating around. There's like five teams now interested in Lamar Jackson in various different ways. And I think, I think we're, we're using the term news very loosely. <laughs> right. Uh, we're, we're mulling the fact that there could be news about teams mulling a contract. That's what, that's what we're doing. Um, reporters are floating things very loosely about Lamar Jackson. Kevin Byard is going to, is where we're going to start today because I think there's some, there, there was Friday afternoon after our show on Thursday, there was some stuff that happened. Uh, there's, there's negotiations clearly taking place. Uh, I just have one thing I'm going to say about Byard, but we'll get to that in a second. Um, also all the new free agents talk today. And I think there's a couple of themes through all of these guys that I think is really important for Titans fans to acknowledge and take note of. Um, you've got Arden Key, Daniel Brunskill, Aziz uh, Al-Shair, uh, Luke Gifford, and uh, Andre Dillard all speaking today. We've got a cornerback that looks like they're going to sign as well, which I know you're very excited about. So we'll get into that conversation today. Yeah, very uh, excited again. Loose term. Your loose term, term, not my term. Okay, I'm just reading. Uh, I'm just reading the the, the tweet. The tweet. The Twitter leaves. Is that it's a thing? Just- it's just it is a massive but i think it's massive for different reasons okay all right that's good um i like that that's called a tease uh and our announcement that was going to happen today this is another tease of a tease our announcement is not happening today it will happen on thursday and we're very excited about it i'm very excited about it i I don't want to speak for zach but i'm very excited about it uh and i think we're gonna have a lot of fun with you guys so jump into the chat jump into the section there uh, if you got questions, comments, all these other things, maybe we'll find out who exactly Daniel Brunskill looks like today on the show. I don't know, um, but we'll, we shall see. So lots of stuff to do. And the Kingston Group is who's providing this content to you for free. So make sure you check them out. Just remember the name, the Kingston Group, buildkg.com is the name. Stoney, chill out. Thursday, it's happening. Okay, just chill out, Stoney. Okay. Um, Kevin Byard and, and stacking the inbox.com, by the way, I recommend, um, you did a whole lengthy sort of play by play of the entire sort of news cycle that unfolded around Kevin Byard, which is really not all that complicated, honestly. <laughs> I think people, I think with this, the, the people that make it complicated just hate Jared Stillman. They, they are not objective. They hate Jared Stillman and they, they unconditionally love Kevin Byard. Well, and I think that, that's what that's. This- that, that is probably a million percent true. And I just want to remind all you folks who hate Jared Stillman, if you hate him, it's because he's doing his job very well. I just want to point that out. Um, okay, so the buyer stuff, I'm not even going to get into the details of like who reported what and this and that and the other thing. Like Again, go read Stack in the Inbox. Subscribe. It's worth a cup of coffee. Where, where do you month. land on what I wrote about? Do you think that the truth lies somewhere in the middle and this is essentially nobody's wrong and nobody's technically 100% right? Yes. Yeah. I, I, this is this is how private negotiations play out in public. This is this is how every this is. I mean, this is not all that different than Lamar Jackson or, you know, the Bears trading the first overall pick. Like it's all kind of posturing publicly to try to make sure 
And, and this one might be a little different because Kevin Byard means so much to so many people on like a non-football level, right? And I think that maybe is Kevin Byard can use that as, as leverage, as you pointed out. To me, it's just like some shit has to change. One side needs it to change. One side doesn't really want it to change. How do we make the other side happy and keep him here? Because the bottom line is, this is my entire takeaway, the whole thing. The, the $6 million you could save is not worth giving up the 30-year-old safety who's the leader of the franchise in the face of the franchise and the still a, a fantastic safety. It makes zero sense to cut Kevin Byard, in my opinion. That would hurt the team in so many different ways and not really buy you much of anything. So I don't, that's, that's where I fall on the whole issue was, oh, you can't freaking cut Kevin Byard. Like that sounds stupid to me, but it is stupid. It, it's, it's 100% stupid. And that's why, you know, I try to tell people like, it's just part of the negotiation process. Like, well, you should do a ton of different things before you ask someone to take a pay cut. No, taking a pay cut's the first thing you should do because <laughs> you're not putting yourself into a bind into the future. Like the whole point, of having to do all this is because you've already restructured him, right? And maybe by the way that they're constructing these other deals, maybe they're technically not wanting to extend Kevin Byer because they don't want to be tied three additional years after 2024 because that's what the extension would do, right? You extend beyond the current terms of the contract and this contract ends next year. So the first thing they want to do is see if they can keep him on his current term length at less money. I fully understand that is not what you, everybody wants to hear, and that's not everybody how everybody wants the negotiation process to go. But they are technically in, like, at this point, a stage three of a five-stage negotiation. They're smack dab in the middle of it because once you get into the media little outbursts that everybody is, like, all the leaks – coming from the pipes within St. Thomas Sports Park. Once all these leaks are coming out, that's when you know that they kind of hit a stone wall. Kevin Byard wants to be extended and wants, more, and wants some money up front. The Titans are not looking to extend Ke Kevin Byard beyond the current term of the contract. I don't agree with their hesitation to do the second part, which is the extension. They should just go ahead and do the extension. It, it, to me, it's a no-brainer. You can construct it. You can mess around with the numbers to make it palatable. And, you know, I put up an example on Twitter, and Mike comes in like, oh, you know, those last two years, he could be really shitty safety. Well, the only one of those years really matters because you can get out of it, at, you know, in the final year of the contract. So, is he not worth just one bad year in a, in the contract like at the end? You know what I'm saying? Yes. Now, if it's again, if it's 19 million, maybe not, but that's not what it would be. And and I I I agree that he still has at least two, if not three more very good football seasons left in him. And what do we know about the word compromise? A compromise or a negotiation is when both sides are unhappy. <laughs> like, right. And now, now Bayard's got more leverage in all of this because A, he's a fan favorite. He's still a very good football player, an important part of the, the community and the team, and doesn't have to do anything. Right. I mean, he Harrison ha Smith just turned 33 and is still a high-level yeah. safety, by yes. the way. Just, yes. just want to point that out there for people who say, yes. well, you could trail off at any point. To me, Harrison Smith and Kevin Bayard, since Kevin Bayard just came in the league, are the closest to... The almost the same exact safety, yeah. And like to me, if you're still getting quality years 
out of Harrison Smith. And the good thing about Kevin Byard is they knock on wood. He's never been injured. But the, uh. the, the, the thing <laughs> is, is that he's been healthier than Harrison Smith through these integral parts of his career. Thus, I think that he has a little bit higher threshold. And if he, he's about to turn 30. So if you do a five-year deal and he sucks at 33, which would be four years to the new contract, then you can cut him. Right. Like, or, or he'll probably retire at that point. I would assume. I look. He. he this is the, to your point. Original point about like cut his ass. Like that. That is the beginning point of a negotiation. You start as far away from where you're going to end as possible, mm -hmm. so that you can work your way back. Like that's like. And if people my are wife, like, well, he, there's no way he would request his release. Dude, if you worked at your job for seven years and you were one of the best players, you've been there for some really down years, you've helped build your your culture at your work, in your office, and you never missed a day within those seven, seven years, and someone came in and your boss said, listen, I know we're turning in the right direction. We have, a, I know you're, you've been great. You've been a great leader. We, you've helped build this culture, but Hey, you know, I think we're going to ask you to take a pay cut, even though that we have the money to pay you. We're going to ask you to take a pay cut. Yeah. Yeah. Your first instinct is going to be to either just go straight up quit right there or say, listen, well, we'll let's talk about this because if you're going to force me to take a pay cut, I'm leaving. Cause I know my work. Look, he didn't request a release. It's just your art. At this point, you guys have to understand that no player is above being a human and having a human emotional reaction. And what? you can guarantee that his agent or Kevin Byard, I don't know who's in the room or whatever, said something like, I'd I cut me than hose, or I'd rather be released and take me than take. I, I just, I, I disagree completely. I don't think athletes are people. Um, yeah. they are, they are commodities for my entertainment. So there I don't, I don't believe that they have human emotions or experiences or feelings or families even probably. Um, here's what I would say. Like, so again, negotiations, we all know how they work. My right. wife wanted like four or five kids. I wanted two. So I immediately began with zero. I said, no, no, I want zero kids so that I knew I could end up at two and get her maybe to stop at three. That That's how negotiations work. Like, that's yeah. how it works. Uh, you know, you can't give away exactly what you want right at the beginning. Um, and especially when Bayard has a little leverage, it's all, you know, the agents are going to float some PR yeah, stuff I mean and the team's going to float some PR stuff. And look, what I think is going to happen is the Titans are going to have to give on something, which is probably term. Mm -hmm. And when they give on something, Kevin Bayard probably makes the exact same amount of money, if not a little bit more over the length of the contract. They have to commit to him for a year or two longer, and everything's fine because the cap hit comes down. There you go. And right? we'll talk more about John Robinson's contract uh, skills and free agency, but this is this is all John Robinson's fault. He turned a really good value contract into a really bad cap hit contract. It's still a good value because he's getting paid. The money he's get, he's the the cap hit is so high because of the money he's already gotten paid. Right. And then money got pushed into the back end of the contract in cap hit wise. So it's still technically a good cash value. The problem is is that it's just not friendly for the team. So the team is having to restructure right. certain deals. And I, I have to say that if they're if they're approaching Kevin Byard They've already approached Ryan Tannehill and Derrick Henry, and that's why you heard about Derrick Henry trade rumors. That's why you heard about some Ryan Tannehill trade rumors. That's why you heard that Tannehill could be a cut cut uh, casualty. You know, stuff like that, I, 
they're already talking to him. So the people are like, well, they need to ask Ryan Tannehill to take a pay cut too. Hey, guess what, guys? They could do multiple things at multiple times and <laughs> no. multiple discussions. Rand Carthon can, in fact, walk and chew gum at the same time. And, oh, by the way, Captain Dipshit is still the quarterback at, in Green Bay. So, like, that that's still something they could just – the Jets – you know the Jets got some back, back burner phone lines going just in case – uh, things fall yeah. apart uh, with with uh, old old Rogers up there in Green Bay. Um, well, I, listen, I I think I understand fans' apprehension to the entire concept. It makes zero. The bottom line is it makes zero sense for the Titans to cut him. What is that six million dollars this year by and them? That's, that's why he's like cut me then. It, it. Exactly, he calls their bluff exactly. because that's because exactly. he has all the leverage. I agree. Right. There right. is nobody that I haven't seen a player have this much much leverage in my opinion. Because if the Titans cut him, it, it will go down as the dumbest move, even dumber than the A.J. Brown trade. Like, that's how dumb this yeah. move would be if they cut him. And was, I just don't think that's going to end up being the case. Now, listen, I did say that about A.J. Brown, too. So what the fuck do I know? Well, but, like, again, this is a – to me, this is just risk-reward. Like, you're, you're like $6 million to give up a, the second-best player on the team? Like, I don't know what – like, what – what do you gain from that? Are you going to go sign like four guys that help your defense win more championships? Like, I don't, I just understand what you gain from that in the short term. So it'll get worked out. And I assume Bayer, I assume Bayer gets a couple more years, maybe a little extra cash, but at the same time, the Titans save some money. End of story. There we go. Um, all right. Speaking of some negotiations that are taking place, here's what I, here's what I wrote down about the, some new Lamar, uh, new ish Lamar Jackson. And I did not write down. He maybe alluded to it at the club on an Instagram video. I didn't put that down. Um, Vikings dark horse he, he question. What? Well, so he's on. There's a there's a video of him with his buddy, and he's like, "You coming back? You coming back?" And Lamar's like, "It's happening." And it's like, it's just players oh. go to in, players go to social media and do this shit all the time. It doesn't mean anything. So oh, I didn't I did, even I didn't even know that one existed yeah. yet. See, I didn't even write that down because I wanted to point out how not important uh, what a player says on Instagram Live or at the club has anything to do with this. But here's here's what I wrote down just because this is just what's out there. Vikings dark horse to sign Lamar Jackson question mark Houston possible trade partner question mark and then we have of course Jeremy Fowler saying reporting that the Tennessee Titans would be a good fit that NFL execs said that when it comes to the offense the the Titans would be a good fit because they they like to have a running quarterback and they like to run the football and you know just well some other stuff that the NFL execs said that just kind of cursory made well, sense but didn't make sense the one thing was like they have some experience with running quarterbacks yeah. and it's like I, I guess Mariota and Tannehill do qualify Tannehill as, has more rushing mobile. touchdowns than Lamar Jackson very very mobile quarterbacks there's no question uh also Colts mulling offer sheet question mark I, I just it, it's just first of all the, I don't know if this is playing out the way the Ravens wanted it to or maybe it is I can't tell uh but now there's and you've written about it extensively, stackingbox.com. Yeah. I just don't know what to make of what's happening, what it means for any other team. Like the Ravens are kind of boxed in here because as this goes along, there's no other options eventually for them. Well, I, I think ultimately what they're wanting is Lamar Jackson back. And I think that's what they're banking on. I, I've been on that train for the longest of time. There's there's nothing about this whole situation that I feel like it's, it's just, it's just going to happen. It's just going to be, this whole thing is going to end with him back with the Ravens, whether that's just him, you know, on the franchise tag, sitting out on the franchise tag, playing 
on a new deal? I don't know. But at some point, Lamar Jackson market is dead. This is a dead market for Lamar Jackson. Of all people, I mean, yeah. you don't hear anything other than eh, maybe a team, we could see a team calling him, or maybe a team is thinking about offering him. Like, nobody's actually... There's a lot. There's a team doing some due diligence on Lamar Jackson. There, we got reports of you know Lamar Jackson's people being contacted by the Colts. You know, there's nothing like that. Like there is nothing, no smoke around me, Lamar Jackson. Let me ask you about the smoke for just real fast. Like hypothetically, if you really truly were were like really interested, you really wanted to go after him, would you not float the non guaranteed? contract that you have sort of put in front of him or loosely offered him or vaguely off wouldn't you say like hey we've offered him 220 million dollars over five years like wouldn't yeah, you want well, i mean it would just get out because the ravens would have to be alerted that you floated an offer out there right and then because you know you just there's just too many people involved in this for there not to be what you're saying rumors out there that are more right. concrete than and eh, maybe dark horse candidate Ooh, so so it basically means that not a single offer even if it's a backroom smoky deal text message offer that doesn't count officially uh, even that i imagine would benefit the other teams and the ravens for that to get out and the fact that there's not a single thing it would benefit Lamar Jackson for that to get out because might, if you have because if you have an offer, then maybe there's someone that's like, well, we don't want to be the first team that offers, but let's see what the his market is. Oh, well, that's yeah. the offer. Well, maybe we'll come in a little higher. Like that's only good for Lamar yeah. Jackson too. So like, yeah. there's nothing, and this ben does benefit the Ravens because eventually Lamar Jackson's either gonna cave and sign a different long term guarantee contract that is what the the Ravens initially wanted him to offer, or he's just going to have to play on the franchise tag and try again next year. And and currently that puts the Ravens over the salary cap. They'd have to make moves to actually have him play on the franchise tag, which is not, not hard to do. They can do it, but right. it's just, it's just, my, my thing's always been is with this thing. It's like, um, okay. Look at Laramie Tunsil's deal. You know, I said this in stacking the inbox, so you want Lamar Jackson part two. If I was his agent, I would be going for a three-year fully guaranteed contract. I think right. he would find it. I think he would get it. And I think he'd get paid a shit ton of money per year. And that's what Laramie Tunsil did. And Laramie Tunsil has now on his, what, second big contract? And he's going to get a third big contract here in just a second? Hello, Mitchell Schwartz came out and said, this is what players should be doing. Go, go to market be angling for. Go to market faster, more often. And he's in the perfect age to yeah. do it. So, yeah. like, he's yeah. just kind of screwing himself. And the longer this goes out, the worse it is. The, the longer this goes out, the likelihood of a team jumping in after the draft increases, obviously, because that's when you know that Lamar Jackson is pretty desperate. Well, and he can accept offer sheets up until I think July seventeenth. I think so. There still could be yeah, a theory. July fifteenth. I think. But and then yeah, and, and and Rogers can't can doesn't have they could the Packers can trade Rogers the day before the first game. Yeah, they they, they got all the time in the world. They don't have How neither. Stupid were the Jets, by the way. <laughs> like, why didn't you before you flew your ass out to California? They're just finishing and the go deal through right all now. the stuff. Why wouldn't you go to the Packers and have the deal done beforehand? Because now you have to trade for Rodgers or you're just going to look like the biggest, dumbest organization ever. 
more so than they already do almost all the time. Um, it's so much fun though. This is a totally different carousel than last year Yeah, where the carousel last year was like, all these hall of famers may or may not be traded. And this year it's just like a bunch of free agents just decided where to go. Uh, and there's like these two guys that are in the middle of this no man's land. Like one of them's in a hole in the ground in Oregon and the other one's doesn't have an agent. <laughs> it's like, it's just so bizarre. It's so bizarre. Oh, I, I just, I, it, it, a team's, I, I would say the New York Jets made a huge misstep, and I think Lamar Jackson made a huge misstep. So you're getting to see both sides of the equation: the player, the player making dumb moves, and the team making dumb moves. And that's really rare. Usually, in like a cycle, it's like all the players are making dumb moves, or yeah, yeah. all the top uh, the teams are making dumb moves. This has been a free agency where, outside of a like two or three questionable deals, all the deals have been pretty reasonable across the board for every team. And agents are mad. They are so <laughs> mad right now that like one year deals are the new, are the yeah, norm. It's a, it's a bad right now because it's bad for them. It's a, and it's a bad, well, it's a bad free agency class yeah. bottom, bottom line. Now I, and go figure the Jacksonville Jaguars uh, have not signed a single player. Like what, what yeah. are we talking about? Like that's, that's 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 yeah. how bad this free agency class <laughs> is. The Jaguars have not signed anybody. No, they're, they're the Ravens and the Jags are the only two teams in the entire league that have not brought in a single free agent. And if yeah, like that makes sense for Baltimore. It's that's that's standard mo for them. But for Jacksonville to not do stupid shit, like what are we doing? Uh, Titanic asked a question about what are they going to do at left guard. I want to I want to get to that question in just a second because this I think is actually the more interesting part of the the Kevin Byer stuff is important. We needed to address it, but I think it's pretty self explanatory. Um, Introducing these new guys and a potential signing at a cornerback, I think, is really, really interesting stuff. Um, there's a lot of commonalities and some threads through all the five guys they were introduced on Monday that we're going to get to. Uh, before we do, of course, buildkg.com is the website for the Kingston Group, Nationals' locally owned custom home and remodeling firm. Just keep them in the back of your head. Just always have them in the back of your head. And before you make any big decisions about your house, a renovation, a sale, go look at the website. Look at their work. It's awesome. Look at the reviews. It's awesome. My family used them to do some work on our house. You can absolutely trust them. Everything is contained, so you don't have any contractors like bailing on jobs midway through. So just go check them out. Uh, Kingston Group, buildkg.com. Their work speaks for itself, I promise. Um, so I want to go. We, we have some contract details, and we have all five of the new guys talking, of course. Defensive end, Arden Key. Offensive guard, lineman, uh, Daniel Brunskill. Aziz Al-Shair, linebacker. Luke Gifford, special teamer. And Andre Dillard, potential starting left tackle. So... Uh, do you want to go one by one, or do you want to give me any overview themes that you have throughout listening to all five of these guys? Uh, uh, let's just go one by one, because, I mean, they they all have similar themes, but they all kind of talk about it in kind of different I, ways. I agree. So we're starting with Arden Key then, baby. Okay. Uh, so we're starting with Arden Key. The details of the deal, it appears to be three years, 21 million, 2.8, 4.2, and then 9.3 in the void year, though. So it's a two-year deal. Um, energy, energy, energy um loves ball that's the thing that i wrote down uh when when we when we listened to mike vrabel and Rand karth on talk arden key loves ball we talked about his skill set uh on last episode he's a, a really bendy pass rusher that i think is a nice piece to package with richard weaver opposite harold landry um and anybody else they might want to bring in in the draft but the thing that that i walked away from chip on his shoulder absolutely pissed off to get some starting time felt disrespected by jacksonville uh, and that's going to be a theme, I think, through all these guys is I want to prove it to people. And that is and he's reaching out to new free agents. He's reaching out to old buddies. He's 
I, I loved everything about the energy Arden Key was bringing. So yeah, and he, I thought he was best dressed out of uh, all the no guys. Question. I thought he was best dressed. Um, I, I thought maybe, I still think Aziz had the um the most entertaining moment of the press conferences, but I really love everything about Aziz and Arden and what they bring to this defense and what they bring is personality that we haven't really had in a very long time. Like Taylor Lewan was personality, but it wasn't in like the, it, it was in, it's it's, some, it's how they uh, bond off the field. I feel like that's where his energy was more beneficial than anything. But like when you're talking about the defense, you're talking about these guys that are coming in and they've already decided because they, I guess they all drove in the, or were given a ride in the same car, whatever. <laughs> they all decided that they're going to bring in their own culture. And that's what Arden said. Arden Key said, we're bringing the San Francisco culture to Tennessee. That's high energy and we're locked in on game day. And I find that a little refreshing because it kind of felt like as good as, of a leader as Kevin Byard is as good of a leader as I feel that Jeffrey Simmons is there's something there's a lots of times where they're the defense kind of have not felt locked in in certain games and I think that's a good thing that I really keyed keyed in on with oh, Arden Key as he did that. is that the talk of being locked in the talk of November and December like that's when football matters. November, December, you can start off hot and you can, you know, miss the playoffs by one game. But in November and December, you'll look over my career. I am locked in when it matters most for my team. And I think that's super key for Arden Key's involvement in this defense. And one last thing, I hate, though, that he said that because I know that means that he hates modern offenses and uh, the Golden State Warriors. <laughs> It was obvious that San Francisco is where he learned, like not the Raiders, obviously, obviously, obviously. He, learned, he learned at San Francisco and then brought that to Jacksonville and certainly was a part of what Jacksonville did last year, improving. And I think they're still going to be very dangerous. Um, but again, like my my favorite moment of all five of them was him talking about, well, you're going to hear me when I'm sleeping. You're going to hear me when I'm awake. You're going to hit like I talk, oh, I talk. I missed I missed that part because, you know, the Titans failed to make the broadcast available jackasses he he said he, he said oh i'm a talker man and i'm pa I'm paraphrasing here but he's like oh, i'm a talker man you're gonna hear me all the time you're gonna hear me you're gonna hear me, hear me at practice you're gonna hear me in the locker room you're gonna hear me on the field you're gonna hear me when i'm sleeping because i snore a lot <laughs> it's just what he, it's what he said and it's just to me and again i think the number one there's two there's two and we'll get to the second one but this goes to aziz al shair as well one year five million dollar deal um both of these guys, and this is the number one thing I took away from all from the main four. I'm not counting Luke Gifford. Sorry, sorry, Luke. I, I love you, dude, but I'm not counting you. The four you're guys. Not gonna, you're not gonna go with a country music loving uh, Morgan Wallen, Waylon, whatever that guy's name is. Uh, Luke Gifford. You're not I, not in on him. I, I did not listen to Luke Gifford's. I listened to the other four. Here, here, here's what I'd say about all four of them. And the the number one thing I wrote down is all of them have something to prove. Every one of them has something to prove. They have they have felt like they needed a new start and that this organization, in part because of their relationship with Rand Carthon, for three of them at least, Arden Key, Daniel Brunskill, and and um, uh, Arden, and uh, Aziz Al-Shir, Al we know Rand. We have a relationship with Rand. We want to bring that culture here, and we want to, be, frankly, we want to prove that we are starting NFL players. We want to prove it. We have a chip on our shoulder. We're ready to go. We set the tone. And I thought Key was just the most flamboyant of all of them in terms of how he did that.
But I think Shair's clearly very thoughtful, very cerebral. Uh, I think Brunskill's even told us how smart he was. Uh, very cerebral is the other thing that I noticed. These guys seem very thoughtful about what they're doing. Very, you know, very good answers at the podium, all that kind of good stuff from from a performative standpoint. But something to prove and having a chip on your shoulder to me was the biggest takeaway. Was all these guys. They want to show that they are starting players in the NFL. Well, you you, you lit, heard from Aziz about how growing up when he was either homeless or in a motel, he would like find a TV or a way to listen to the draft. And so like the whole draft, his whole draft moment and draft, you know, situation was a real, it really hits home for him. And what I liked about this is that Aziz said that he, Rand Carthon is like family. Now, the reason that is important, because A, is because Mike Vrabel loves building relationships with players. B, Rand Carthon also said that he loves building relationships with players, and that relationship is bearing fruit for the Tennessee Titans when you're looking at these inexpensive deals that of getting high-end quality players. And when, I think Arden Key is the one who said it, it may have been Aziz, but I think it was Arden Key, when you when someone loves you and puts faith in you and and shows and rewards that faith in you with a contract obviously or a spot on the team all you want to do is prove them right and that's already built in for Aziz who his entire NFL career is owed to Rand Carthon because Rand Carthon is the one that has been linked directly for him being on the San Francisco 49ers I think it's just so interesting that not only are these both high motor guys, they're both guys that want to be everything that the Titans want them to be. Like they're not coming in here just because, oh, we got paid. No, you gave us an opportunity. You are showing faith in me. I'm going to go out there and give you my all. And I think what I liked a lot about Aziz, besides his comments about uh, PK's weight, which was to me the best moment of the whole thing. Oh, that's that's a good point. Sorry, that, that, that was that was just hilarious. So note, yeah, listen, I, I he probably would have said the same thing about me. I was going to say, I'm glad I'm glad I wasn't sitting there. But I will say this: that I'm about thirty pounds heavier than PK. Out of all these comments, he talks about how the linebackers ran the show. The defense is the defense is good because the linebackers are great like in San Francisco. He's got a lot of work to do with Monty Rice, but I really love, <laughs> love that attitude. Well, and what's funny is that your job, part of the reason the linebackers can run the show, not only Warner and those guys are great, but like they also played behind some pretty damn good defensive linemen that take up a lot of space and a lot of blocking. And guess what the Titans have in front of them? They've got a couple of guys yeah. that take up a lot of space and a lot of blockers. Like everybody mentioned those guys. Uh, uh, they, bullies. Tar- yep. they eat up the space. They give you holes and all this kind of stuff. I, I think Key I, Key, I said last week, was my favorite signing. Uh, I still think it is. But I think both of these guys and all all three of them having personal relationships with Rand Carthon. Um, it's guys who love ball. It's guys with something to prove. It's guys with chips on their shoulder. It's guys who play physical, physical, physical football. It's guys who are versatile. They kind of check every box. And oh, by the way, they're paying a grand total of like <laughs> like $30 million for all of them. <laughs> like yeah, over, it's over the entire life of the contract. We don't know Dillard's contract yet, but um, that's only yeah. one that we're really waiting on besides Sean right. Murphy Buttons. Um, Br- D- Daniel Brunskill was two for five and a half. Uh, 1.9 this year, 3.4 next year. Extremely likable contract for a player at his age. Um, he talked a lot about uh, how, how he's played all five positions. 
um, that he's a thoughtful guy. Again, these guys were cerebral to me in, in a way that versatile and cerebral and something to prove. This is a guy who wants to be a starting offensive violent, lineman. Right? And I mean, like, didn't all these yeah. guys, except for maybe Luke Gifford, just because I wasn't clicking on all of his little clips that everybody's posting out. But it's – and Dillard – Dillard's the question, but he didn't really kind of. I think he was just very emotional today. Dillard but, was Dillard was the one where I'm yeah. like, I need to see the killer instinct. I want to know what yeah. that looks like. But, I think the other three guys, I trust it. Yeah, Brent School Aziz and Arden Key all mentioned various things about being violent, right? And and that play and being fast, being violent, being versatile. Brunskill specifically said the part he loves is a part. One of the parts of football that he loves is hitting people in the mouth. He loves to run the football because it's just it's just fun i guess to hit people in the mouth run run the damn ball yeah run the damn ball uh but he also talked about him being smart which him being smart and knowledgeable about football he pretty much humble bragged about how much of a football genius he is <laughs> that allows you to play quick right. that allows you to play smart that allows you to play fast that allows you to play violent and this is all stuff that has been told to us by mike frabel by rand carthon on guys that they are looking for, they are looking for versatile, fast, smart guys. I I don't know about the violent part for Dillard or Luke Gifford, but at least I know that they're fast. Well, that um, that bring well. Let's go. Let's let's go to Dillard but, here for a second, then, okay. because because I think what we what we do know about him is that he is very athletic in space. We know that they want to be athletic in space. And and we know he's, he just let it loose, right? Like, he yeah. told everybody, this is why Aaron Brewer got the tender that he got. Right. We want fast, athletic linemen yep. who could get out in space. And so, boom, there you so go. So we know, we know that. What I trust about Key and Brunskill and Shair, in part because of the three positions they play, which is pass rusher, middle linebacker, and guard, I trust that Rand Carthon knows their personalities and knows like that killer instinct, which you're going to, you have to have at those three positions at, at left tackle. It's a little bit more of a technical position, but you still need to be offensive linemen generally need some killer instinct. And the one thing we don't know about Dillard, he, to me, he is the most of a project of the four guys that we're talking about, not talking about Luke Gifford. Hmm. He's the guy that's going to like benefit the most from the hands-on development of the, See, I feel like he's staff. the most, I, I, I like the word, project but i would say it would be in the term of the way i would use it is like i think he's the biggest projection because you don't know what he is i think he's been developed by jeff stoutland like no, I, that's that's fair that's i think fair. i think maybe the thing i'm worried about is that coach haas is gonna ruin the the, the um uh well okay maybe, up, let, me, but... let me let me rephrase it then i i yeah. feel like i trust like there's a personality in your style of play right right and Vrabel wants football dudes who love ball, who are violent and physical. We just know that about them. A lot of coaches do. But I trust Rand to know that about Arden Key, Brunskill, and Al Shair because he knows them personally. And while he's probably scouted Andre Dillard a number of times and knows plenty about him, there's it's just different when you've sat in rooms with somebody for years, like or a couple years or whatever. And so the question is just like, Frankly, is he good enough to be a starting left tackle in the NFL? Like that, that I think is still a question, and they right. clearly believe he is. But I hope that with the previous offensive line coach's development and Rand and Vrabel's family sort of vibe and, and connection, that they can kind of unlock all the potential that we know is standing there because he's very athletic in space. So. Well, and and I'll say, I'll say this about him: um, I, I I was getting some weird vibes throughout his press conference right at the, at the very beginning throughout the whole thing until the almost the very end because he kept he kept 
it seems kind of like he was like a little shaky, a little nervous, a little intimidated. And he was saying all the right things. And then he kept, you know, having to clear his throat. Well, if you go to the very end and if you if you stayed you know, or found it in clip, I guess, can't stay because I didn't broadcast it, um, that this was more emotional for him than draft night. This was more emotional than being picked in the first round in the NFL draft for him. I think that to me, because he specifically talked about the camaraderie and he did a lot of research on the camaraderie did a lot of background work himself on the camaraderie and the culture that Tennessee Titans have. Is it really that good? Is it really true? Is it really this, really that? And this is where he felt like he fit and got the opportunity to showcase what he thinks he can be. This is all ties back to also for Daniel Brunskill for me, who says, who was specifically talking about the brotherhood of the offensive line and how he's going to be a leader. So Brunskill's your new Ben Jones. I feel like you're in pretty good hands. Like if he's the leader of the spiritual leader of the offensive line, I feel like you're in good hands. I think that Andre Diller today, while he wasn't as exciting or wasn't as funny or wasn't as um, the personality wasn't as you coming through, I think it's because he's just like really fucking grateful and happy to be here and his emotions or we're just hard to to keep inside. So I feel like again, this goes back to what either Aziz or Arden Key said about a player or a person when they show this kind of gratitude or show this kind of like faith in you that you're going to go out there and give it to your all. Yeah, so I think yeah. we're going to see the Andre Diller that you're wanting to see yep. on the field. It's, it's an amazing concept. A happy and healthy pr- employee is a productive employee. It's not yeah. all that complicated. And corporate America is finally starting to notice that if you actually take care of your people, they will work harder for you and will be more inspired for you. And that's, to me, again, all four of these guys, not counting Luke Gifford, with all due respect, uh, all four of these guys have had chances to start in the NFL and are not currently starters and are now going to get the chance to start. And that is incredible motivation for for almost everybody in the NFL. So uh, I liked a lot of what I saw. I liked a lot of what I heard. Seems like they're all smart. Seems like they're all cerebral. Seems like they're all really thoughtful guys. Seems It seems like they're all chip on their shoulder, kind of ready to prove some stuff. And so I think that's good. Uh, which brings us to uh, targeting the cornerback. Uh, reports over the weekend, Sean Murphy Bunting, uh, a cornerback from Tampa. This was a second-round pick uh, who started five games last year, played in 12, only played in nine games the year before that in 2021 started eight of those six foot 195 again versatility a guy that can play all over the secondary and if you told me if you tell me that this team goes to, to camp with um you know christian fulton roger mccreary elijah molden and sean uh, murphy bunting as their top four corners oh by the way that other first round pick is injured somewhere but could be available at some point as the number five that's a I, don't you feel good about the versatility of those four guys? They may not be elite Absolutely. at any one position, but that's pretty good. But th- that's not what you need, right? Like the Tennessee Titans are not a cornerback's first kind of place, right? Like <laughs> defense is not cornerback's you know first. It is pass rush first. Yeah. The pass rush is supposed to help the cornerback. So you can get by with average to above average cornerbacks and not have an elite cornerback to be able to cover appropriately i mean you saw when the pass rush was getting after patrick mahomes uh in 2021 and greg maben was covering tyree kill like it just that's how this defense is constructed 
And I have to say some stuff about Sean Murphy Bunton. I, I like or Zabuntine Bunton. I, I don't know. You know? Your 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 Hendersonville list came out. <laughs> I, I don't know which one it is. Bunt, Bunton. Uh, Sean Bunton. Murphy Bunton. <laughs> I don't know. What, I don't know where you put the emphasis. I don't know where it's at. Um, Sean Murphy Bunting. Bunting. Um, <laughs> everybody kind of has been shitting on him from Tampa Bay, and and again. When I watch Tampa Bay, I'm not in the past. I'm not really watching the defense, or I don't know who the defensive players are. Right? Like I, I just know they have a good defense. I don't know who they all are. I'm not what paying attention numbers. I'm technically usually watching for fantasy football purposes. So, oh man, I, 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 I can, I can, I know way too much about the Titans or the uh, the Buccaneers defense. Those guys are so fun to watch. But, but they, I, I, I agree. I just don't know the numbers or the players or anything like that. So I go and I, and I'm like, well, I know Sean Murphy Buntons Buntings name. <laughs> I know that Jam- Jamil Dean is a good one. I know Antoine Winfield. I know the secondary has been pretty good so I'm mike, like, Ed, okay, mike well, edwards right? signing right like this is a pretty good signing for i mean it's one year it's uh five million dollars low you know basically you just having a guy that's coming in and on a proving deal you know like that's good for the tennessee it's good for what you want in a, in the secondary and i see people shitting all over him saying he's not very good he sucks and blah blah and so I go look at PFF, you know, PFF's not the Bible or anything. I go look at the stats out of corners, out of all corners in the NFL with a minimum of 250 coverage snaps. He's the, he has the eighth based best coverage grade, eighth best. So top 10, he's the second best in yards per reception allowed. He's only allowed 7.8 yards per reception. Second best in total receiving yards allowed 171. 19th best reception percentage allowed, 55%. 19th best passer rating allowed, 78.2. I don't know. I mean, like, I, I get... I He has two really bad games in 2022. It was the uh, playoff game last year, and it was the Seattle game. Well, He got and, utterly destroyed those two games. And, and I would argue Twitter, social media, fan response is very similar for playoff games NCAA basketball tournament games and, and and college football bowl games. The thing that you hold in your mind as a fan, a lot of times more than like the body of work is the thing you saw in a bowl game. Like people don't know anything about um, FAU basketball. Don't know right. anything. Tennessee fans don't know anything about FAU basketball. They've never, I guarantee you, none of you Tennessee fans have watched any FAU basketball the entire year, but you saw them against Farley, fairly Dickinson on Sunday. And you're like, now you think you know everything about every player's skills and everything they've done all season. Same thing with college bowl games and playoff games. But this guy's been, like, the RAS score is pretty solid. He's been very productive in a bunch of different spots for them. Yes, their defense is absolutely loaded. When you you named off the secondary, but it's not, it's Levante David and Devin White and Vita Vey and Shaq Barrett. Like, they got a lot of dudes. And I, I think the one-year $5 million, which has been the report, it, it, where he can be... If Elijah Molden needs to be in one slot and they need two, they can have two. If they if he needs to be kicked outside, he can play outside. Like the versatility and the chip on the shoulder, prove it mentality is what I like about the move. Uh, and yeah. and all those grades you rattled off are pretty positive. So yeah, I mean they're they're all positive. Hey, listen, apparently he struggled with contested catches. Okay, well I mean like big whoop on on some of this because really you're probably not going to be in a contested catch situation with the AFC South for the receivers that they got for the most part. My, minus, minus Brandon Cooks now. 
Yeah, yeah, no Brennan Cooks anymore, but I mean, he's not really a contested catch guy anyway. I guess Michael uh, Pittman is your closest to a contested catch threat in the wide receiving core out of this uh, AFC South, I, w- I would say. Uh, but I've heard from what I've read that he's a massive film junkie. He loves, he's in there, in the building, watching film, like he's addicted to it. And he, so he has this great work ethic. And I'm thinking about work ethic, and I'm thinking about who hasn't and who doesn't, eight to four guys. Frable has done more with lesser talented individuals, Andrew Adams, Terrence Mitchell, to name two that are in the secondary. To me, if this guy's already a film junkie, great work ethic. Chris Harris and Mike Frable are going to do some wonders with that. Yeah, I I think they're going to mold this guy into something good. And I, it's a projection. It's a risk. But all these guys are a little bit of a projection, a little bit of risk. But I look at it and I go, I mentioned it last week. Christian Fulton could be on the trade yeah. block. And I'm thinking this gives you a little leeway to get rid of well, Christian Fulton. You can never have enough corners. Like, full you stop. Can, just but you can always still draft one. It, you, and and, and, and I then, think, then so, you get Christian well, Fulton gone before this draft is my, so I, my thing. No, I agree with you. I, what I do think is interesting about all these guys is they all feel like guys who love ball that are sort of team guys, you know, uh, like film guys, work ethic guys, which a lot of times you can't teach that that kind of mentality. Now, do I think you can win a Super Bowl with a bunch of low paid like team first go getters? Like probably not. And Sobros points this out. Stoney says um, he's the same as the other guys. Good value add doesn't alleviate the need for a future starter, future starting quarter. And I think that is true of all of these pieces. They are all filling gaps on the bottom half of the roster. And then they're going to go into the draft and fill a couple of premium pieces on top of some of these guys. I think, I think Al Shire and Brunskill are going to be starters. Those are the two I would point to and say, I think they have a clearest path to, to open starting. Sh- it spots. really sounds like he has a pretty I clear think he does. path as well. I think he does as well. I think Dillard is going to be starting. I don't know where or how often, but I think he will certainly also at his price point. And Bunting will be starting some, probably starting not some, probably in the slot some, probably outside some, probably backing up in nickel. I, who knows? But he's a valuable piece. He's a film guy. He is not your true starting number one corner, but that's not what any of these guys are supposed to do. All these guys are supposed to fill gaps in the roster to elevate the whole thing up one notch so that you can go add some premium pieces on top. Well, and they're all inexpensive, right? So the five contracts that we have are Aziz, Arden Key, Daniel Brunskill, Luke Gifford, and Nick Westbrook-Akina. I'm throwing Nick Westbrook-Akina in there because <laughs> he was a free agent because he decided to go test the market. Broke all the bank. five of those guys, $10 million cap hit for 2023. And Luke Luke Gifford's too. Yeah, I didn't so, that. I said Luke Gifford. Oh, you did? Okay. Yeah, it's... It's, it's all five... Five of those contracts are $10 million. So that's like $2 million cap yeah. hit per person that you've signed. Yeah. Which you can venture to say that Sean Murphy Bunting is going to have some void deals as well. Or void years on his deal as well to get the cap hit down for this year. Andre Dillard is probably going to be the same situation. Some void years to get the cap hit down for this year. But they're all short-term contracts. Like, they're not all, like... Yeah. Except for Arden Key, who who technically has the biggest cap hit contract that you got out there. Like the dead, the dead, the void years on his are like two point three and two point three dead cap years that accelerate. You know, if you cut them after twenty twenty four, 
So like if you cut them in 2020, if you cut them after 2024, it's a $6.9 million dead cap, $2.4 million cap savings. That's like the biggest one out there. You know what this tells me? Is that John Robinson didn't know a damn thing about how to navigate through free agency. (laughs) Because you guarantee that first off, he probably would have overspent to keep Nate Davis. I think he would have been higher than the Nate Davis contract in Chicago because he would, he would have panicked and said, we had to get the offensive line fixed. Got to keep Nate Davis. And I think that like a guy like Arden key, he probably would have been like, instead of like a three year, $21 million total, it probably would have been like a four year, $50 million. Cause that's what we've seen, right? Like we've seen him give out terrible contracts. And these are contracts that not only, it's it, it's it's a weird way to put it but it's like they're reloading but they're not hindering themselves long term so they're getting quality starters because they're still going to try and compete because hey guess what it's what jim white said in his mailbag this is not a this is not a rebuild they're not rebuilding and then arden key today when he asked jeffrey simmons christian fulton um I think he even said Kevin Byard in there, Race McMath. He said, are we going to compete for the AFC South? And he went behind, before he agreed to the deal, he went and and talked to these guys, reached out to these guys that he trusts, and said, are we going to compete for the AFC South? Are are you guys running the South? And he's coming from a Jaguars team that's ascending, by the way. That won the division. Yeah, won the division. (laughs) Yeah, won the division. Eight and nine. Um, division. That they're coming from. He's coming from a team that's, for all intents and purposes, ascending and joining a team that's considered descending among the masses. And you know what they said? Hell yeah, that's what we're doing. This is not a tank year. No, I don't think. No, no, we've said it. We've said it enough. I will say, I think but he I actually will keep keep talking about it. I think he actually played with Fulton too. Ar- I think Arden actually yeah, played with Fulton at LSU. So. At, I think they overlapped for at least one year. They did not. I don't think he overlapped with Racy, but also LSU guy as well. So there, there, there's a he may have overlapped with. No, no, I don't. Think I don't. I don't think because he, he's played five years. I think he overlapped with Fulton though. So uh, either way, I think there was a lot of positives to take from the signing potentially. The five new faces now going to be six new faces. They all have a lot in common. They feel like, and again, it's the first. It it doesn't feel like. When John Robinson went out and got like Rashad Johnson to stabilize the safety position and Ben Jones to stabilize the sit, which actually turned out to be one of his better moves, stabilizing. He did a lot of this stuff too in his first year. We went and got kind of cheap veterans to plug holes to elevate what was then a garbage roster. This is not as garbage as it was then, but there are some major holes and he's doing the same thing. He's, he's value shopping for quality pieces that aren't stars, but he's getting good value and he's, setting up his team to be successful by again, I think they're going to come in and try to get some premium stuff in the draft. Who knows what that looks like uh long-term that, again, that they- initial deal with, with Ben Jones was a four year, 17 million, $17.5 million deal. That's a great deal. 4 million bucks for Ben Jones a year. I mean, four and a half. It's a pretty yeah, good but, deal. I mean, I mean, of course back then he wasn't the Ben Jones that he is now. So it turned into a good deal. Well, and uh, so again, I just, I just remember sort of how he went about, like he went and got Rashard Matthews, not a great player, but a solid player for a year or two. And like was cheap, was in, inexpensive and and filled a, a hole that they had. And again, holes were much bigger and deeper in 2016 than they are today. If these moves scream, 
we want to be good now. We want to compete in the AFC South now, but we also understand that in the future, we're going to have some bills to pay to get other big superstars, including Jeffrey Simmons. All of these deals are really low on the cash, really low on cap hits, and low on future cap hits because of how they've done the void years because they need money for future stuff for Jeffrey Simmons. I agree. Simmons is back, folks. That's what I just heard. Um, okay. Um, make sure you check out the Kingston Group, of course, buildkg.com. Announcement coming on Thursday's show. Got some really cool, fun stuff planned for, planned for you guys, and we appreciate all your support in the comment section, all you guys that hang out with us. Please share the show. Tell people about it. Stack in the Inbox, uh, of course, um, is, is the name of the website there. Go subscribe for like basically a cup of coffee or half a, a beer uh, a month. It's not a lot of money. It's worth it. Lots of good stuff in there. Um, and again, Thanks to Kingston Group for being our supporter for keeping this here product for free for you guys. We got some fun stuff planned, so check us out on Thursday at uh, at uh, one o'clock, of course. Um, quickly here, Georgia players on defense. Uh, this is Jalen Carter, of course. Now I'm seeing mocked Jalen Carter behind the Titans. The Jalen Carter is on the board by almost every mock draft I have seen lately. Now I think I think mock drafts are worth. They're not even worth the digital print that they're <laughs> that they're put on, but. He is falling past the Titans by most experts at this point. Um, bad workout, out of shape. Obviously, the arrest stuff, just more going on than we thought. I've seen Nolan Smith mocked ahead of the Titans now, which means he's rocketed up boards. Mm. A lot of first-round picks, what they said, a record five first-round defensive picks last year. Um, Keely Ringo is another guy that's in this year's draft that could be a high pick. I don't think he's a first-rounder. Um what do we mean? You, 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 you got a claim here? You got a hot take about Georgia defensive players? There's been one good Georgia defensive player since Kirby Smart took over, and that was Roquan Smith. All these other guys tend to fade away in the team hop, like Leonard Floyd. Just team hops around, never can find a good home, never can find a consistent career. I think Tyson Campbell's the, the next projected closest to being a good to above average defensive starter that lives up to his draft stock. But a lot of these defensive players, I don't know. I'm, it's kind of like the Ohio state university quarterback uh, helmet scouting that I could do for <laughs> the longest time. Maybe with CJ Stroud, he's going to break the curse, which means that the Georgia defensive player is now the new Ohio state quarterback. But, because like there's something here where these de- and it really, the offensive players have been kind of like ho-hum, give or take here and there as well. Running, running backs have been pretty salty. It's been so. pretty pretty solid. But like it, it's kind of like, that's what I'm saying. It's like kind of ho-hum, right? I mean, like there's not an elite Georgia running back out there that I can think of off Nick, the top of my Nick, head. Nick Chubb is a badass. Todd that Gurley, would, that would be it. Okay, Todd yeah, Gurley was a badass. He's a Georgia player. I don't know why I always think that he's an Auburn player. But yeah, Nick Chubb. It's like Roquan Smith, Nick Chubb. And then it's just kind of like a bunch of also rants. So let me ask you this. I, I I can get behind your theory, but I think you have to exclude, like you have to draw a timeline on it. Because, I mean, George Pickens already looks like a, a hell of a player. He's a, But again, only in one season, so you can't make any definitive And statements. he had his ups and downs. Like, well, and, and, he and, himself. And it, some of that yes, may be tied yes. to the quarterback, but like at some point, some of that stuff was just up and down. He, well, what I would say is I think you need to separate – like early Kirby Smart teams, because those teams were recruited by Mark Richt, and the two championship teams, which are like layers and layers and layers and layers of like elite recruits that he has personally developed. Like if Jordan Davis 
is a total bust along with, you know, Nolan Smith along with, um, you know, again, Trayvon Walker, uh, Quay Walker was pretty good last year when forced into the starting duties for green Bay at middle linebacker. George Pickens was pretty good as a, as a rookie. I, I think there are guys that are going to be, I mean, Justin Fields technically is a Kirby smart recruit. Let's be very honest. Um, so I, I think you have to, I'm good with it, but I think you have to separate the last like two or three draft classes and say, all right, these are the elite guys that won national titles. Lewis seen, I don't know how good he is. I think uh, Eric Stokes has been solid for the Packers. Not great. Um, you know, James Cook, Nicobe Dean, Nicobe Dean was all right, right. This past year for Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just think these last couple of classes, we have to sort of say, let's wait and see on them first. Yeah. And I agree, but it's just like your first year, if you're drafted in the first round, you expect to be something, right? Like, I think Aziz, that's why Aziz Ojolari is pretty damn good. He's pretty good. He's he's been pretty, pretty good. good. Can't stay healthy, and so how how much is that going to affect everything? If you can't stay healthy, that that's a big issue. You can be good when you're on the field, but if you're not on the field, you know, ninety percent of the games, what good is that? And and here's the Titans' angle, of course, for all you Titans fans out there. Obviously, Monty Rice. Obviously, Isaiah Wilson is a part of this. Um, and then there's one more. Who am I missing? Uh, who did the Titans draft? Uh, there's another one I'm missing. Another Georgia player. Why am I drawing a blank? Oh, there's, man. there's three of them, I thought. But I don't think they've drafted three. Ben Jones was a Georgia player, but yeah, uh, yeah. I right, can't maybe think I'm, of an... Maybe it's just those two that's that's causing people to PTSD. That's plenty of PTSD there. Um, <laughs> that's for sure. Uh, I, I think it's... I don't know. I need to see if this class is a bust too. And it's Nolan Smith, it's you know Jalen Carter, it's Keely Ringo, all five-star recruits, by the way. If those guys all bust out too. Um, but again, I have no faith in Keely Ringo. I, I don't like his game either. He he you know, he reminds I don't me of like D- the Titans seem to be pretty enamored with him. He reminds me of D'Angelo Hall. Like he's gonna make some plays, but he's gonna give up a lot of plays too. Like uh, if he's anything close to D'Angelo Hall, sign me up. <laughs> but I don't oh, think I don't, he's anything I can't close. Sta- I can't stand D'Angelo Hall. I think he, I think he makes like five interceptions because everybody throws at him all all game long. Yeah, like they know they can beat him. Anyway, that's that, that's just my personal opinion of him. I, I will say I like the offensive players coming out. Um, Kenny McIntosh, Darnell Washington, Broderick Jones. You're going to have Brock Bowers it's, next year. Darnell Washington is the the best by far and away the best georgia player in my opinion in this draft like i think he's and the way i way i mean that is i think it's going to be really hard for him to be a bust in the nfl i don't think it there's yeah. easy pass for everybody else to be a bust it'd be really hard for him to be a bust yeah let me let me again let me i just checked it just to make sure i got it right but quay walker started 16 games and the Packers middle line he had 125 tackles in 16 games. And outside of the really, really dumbass mistake he made <laughs> against the Lions on the final possession, he was actually one of those guys that I was like, oh, this guy knows what he's doing. He's flying around. There's a lot so. of Georgia defenders, though, from 2016 on. <laughs> you know, there's a lot of Georgia defenders. You know, you got to got to yes, up that is. percentage, right? You got to up I, the percentage. I agree. I agree. And I think that's let's see if it happens over the next couple of years with the guys that are like truly Kirby developed champion level guys. And if they're all a bunch of knuckleheads, then we'll, we'll, we'll find seems to be the trend. We'll find more out more often than not. They may be <laughs> we'll, we shall, we'll look Quay Walker. He just he's one out. right there. Hey, one, one bad mistake. And he was like crying in the tunnel. He felt bad about it. So it was a you know, crab baby. Can't be touching the fe- officials. You know what I mean? Can't touch the officials. 
Um, all right, that just about does it for us. Um, Thursday, 1 o'clock, be there. Tune in. We got some cool stuff for you. Uh, stackintheinbox.com, kingstongroupbuildkg.com. Rate, review, subscribe, at Pod at Braden Gall on Twitter. Thank you guys for hanging out. Uh, for Zach, I'm Braden. We'll talk to you guys on Thursday. This has been a football show.